Hello, my beautiful friends. My name is Bryn Wise, and you are listening to the Grace Mama Grace podcast. I am a mom who struggles with mom guilt, and I am working tirelessly to overcome it. It is my mission to help you remember that you are enough, exactly the way you are. You are the mother your children need, and you are perfect as a mother just because you love your kids. Let's do this. Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. Okay, I am back with my girl, Miraya, and I'm so, so stoked to have her back on again. We finished chatting last time and we were like, well, that did not exactly go the way that we had thought or planned or anticipated, but I am a huge, huge, huge believer in you know what? I don't think anything happens by accident. And I believe that what we shared last week in the supporting women's health episode was exactly what needed to be shared in that episode. But we were chatting a little bit after we finished recording and I, and I was like, but I really do feel like you, there's more that you can share about strengthening your pelvic floor and, and giving people these amazing women value that way. So we decided to do a second episode And this one is going to be like a hundred percent based on strengthening your pelvic floor and helping you strengthen those muscles so that you can have those beautiful experiences with your amazing kiddos and, and be 65 and not need to wear pads anymore. Right? Like she shared last week with her beautiful story. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, I encourage you and invite you to go listen to it because it was a gem, but If you don't have time or you want to listen to this one first, we do want to just like revisit some of the things we touched on last week, just so that this episode can stand on its own as well. So again, this is my girl Miraya. She is from the Netherlands. She has three beautiful kiddos. She is a personal trainer and she really she focuses on functional strength training for women's health, especially, and with a special emphasis on their pelvic floor. So So excited to have you back, my beautiful friend, and you just take it away. Teach us all the things. Uh, Thank you so much. Like, seriously, I just love, you say you love listening to me. I love listening to you. Thank you for that intro. And yeah, I'm really excited. As you said already, we just, we touched on so many awesome things last, last time, um, but not necessarily as specialized in the pelvic floor. And I think it's huge. I think it's a really important conversation. Um, So I'm happy to really share a little bit more because A, we might just think it's what it is, right? We had babies, we are getting older and it's just part of our women's body. We're just, it's really funny actually, hey, how we just think, yeah, that's just part of it. We just, we're just doomed to pee our pants. No, (laughs) right? So let's start there. No, Mm -hmm. it's very common so common but not normal and it means it's really it's a dysfunction it's a dysfunction in our core and our core is basically our deep it's a dynamic system and it's our deep central stability system that influences way more than just our abdominals it is our pelvic floor it's even our glutes so it's such a dynamic system that if that pelvic floor is off it might even, it will affect so many things up and down the chain. So yes, that pee leaking, that peeing our pants can really influence our quality of life. 
really how we show up emotionally, socially in our relationships. Um, but it's going to also really show up in other ways like back pain. And you're like, I don't know why I can't. I don't know why I, after all these years, I focus on my core strength. I can't strengthen it. Like I still feel so weak there. Yeah, it could be your pelvic floor versus doing all the crunches. Maybe we need to actually look more on your pelvic floor. So yes, I, I think it's huge and I'm so excited to share more. Mm-hmm. And I love how you said like strengthening our pelvic floor, which can be a big part of it for a lot of women that we need more strength there. But on the other hand, there's a lot of women that walk around with a too tight pelvic floor. I think we talked about this a little bit last time too. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to, if you have a too tight pelvic floor and you're going to do all the Kegels on top of that, that is not going to help you. So maybe that is why you've been doing all the Kegels and you're not seeing a difference because your pelvic floor needs more love as in it needs more support and how to release. If it's always on, it's not going to be as functional as it can be, right? It can't go through the range of motion that it needs to be. It can't fire up when you really need it to fire up, when you sneeze, when you laugh, when you jump. So, and, and I think, I don't have the statistics on this, but there might be more women walking around with a tight pelvic floor than we actually know. We think it's maybe we need all the strength, but maybe we need a little bit of both, mm-hmm. right? And part of this is that we just are not connected to it. Mm-hmm. Like I, since I started focusing on this about three years ago, I had no idea how to really truly connect to my pelvic floor, right? Like there were some some people that have always said like, yeah, make sure you do your Kegels and you try to do a little bit of squeeze and hold and whatever it is, but I never really knew how to actually connect to it uh, without just stopping the flow of urine. That's normal cue that we most likely all learn. There is more to it. Um, a pelvic floor actually has three big parts to it, like the front, the back, the middle, and stopping the flow of urine is only focusing on the front. We might hold a lot of tension in the back, right? If we are stressed, our pelvic floor is a stress container. We can hold a lot of fears, a lot of stress and anxiety, in our pelvic floor well and let's think about the last year right like how how stressed have we been about our health about our finances about our relationships about whatever it is like it's really easy to just without realizing it to always have it on and if that backside is always on most likely that's that's where you hold the tension um then it can influence your prolapse or your urinary incontinence so yes long story short Knowing how to connect to it is a big piece of it. Knowing how to actually do a proper contraction is a big piece of it. And then there is, and we can talk about it more later on, then there's lifestyle factors that can actually undo a lot of the good work. So maybe you're doing all the Kegels and you know how to contract it and you know how to release it, but there's things like alignment and breathing and the clothes you wear and the shoes you wear and how you sit during your day that can just offset all of that imbalances in your body so that's kind of frustrating because you're doing all the good stuff but now life your lifestyle is just undoing a lot of that good work so yes it's a total body approach versus just doing all the kegels it really it really needs a total body approach i love that well and how often do we even i mean you talked about you would say that the majority of people who are walking around probably actually are <laughs> it, they're focusing too much on strengthening it and not enough on releasing it. And I would say the exact same thing about 
anyone who is really focused on health and fitness. Like, did they get their cardio in? Oh, of course. Did they get their weights on? Absolutely. Did they take a good amount of time to warm up and cool down? Mm, probably not. Did they take the opportunity to really stretch when their muscles were warm? Mm, probably not. Did they take time to foam roll when their muscles were really tight and sore and to take a warm Epsom salt bath or to get a massage or to do those other things that don't look as glamorous, right? Like, yeah. oh, but I got my cardio workout on and I burned a million calories or I, I strength trained and I lifted so heavy and I'm so, so sore, right? But the second it's like, okay, but I also need to release and focus on flexibility and, and breath. And, you know, like those, those things are important too, in, in all sides of strength training and health and wellness. Right. So, so true. Really good points. Yeah. The foundations are key, but as you said, the foundations are not as glamorous, mm -hmm. they're not as sexy and it's not like a checklist item as much, right? Like, because it's easy to be like, yeah, I feel good about it because I did my 30 minutes, whatever. Um, but yeah, the, the rest of the day, how many more hours are you awake walking around? How do you carry your body? Mm -hmm. Right? Because that, that 30 minutes is amazing, but how you carry your body the rest of the day, that will add up more to where your aches and pains show up, like how you invite, know, how you offset those imbalances through your strength training is going to be important, but that, that might not even have that much of a focus, right? We might focus on specific things because we're like, yeah, it's an aesthetic goal. I really want to build my shoulders or I really want to get my buttocks tighter and higher. And, um, but yeah, to really offset life through your fitness routines, that's, that's not as a fun, maybe, uh, focus, but it's, it's really important for sure. Mm -hmm. And it can still be fun. Like that's, that's kind of where I'm at. Like I focus a lot on those things, but it can still be fun. Mm -hmm. And it's actually a really awesome focus. If it takes the obsessiveness a little bit away from it. And it really, we talked about that last time too. It just really goes about what's truly in your best interest, not how many calories have I burned, not how many reps could I do today? No, what does my body need today? And speaking about the buttocks, the glutes are a huge part of our core. We might not see it as our core, but basically anything between your shoulders and your knees is your core. Your glutes are a huge piece of that. That is a stabilizing your spine. Your glutes, that's its main function to stabilize your spine. A lot of us walk around with dormant glutes. Like we have some buttocks amnesia going on because of our lifestyle. Again, if we sit all day and a lot of us have a sitting job and maybe all the Zoom meetings and we sit a lot. We sit more than we should. I do too. I really do. Um, but I always start with some glute activation for that reason, because if our glutes are always in this lengthened state, it might just have a hard time firing up when we do our squats, when we do our deadlifts, and now we're doing all the exercises, but we're not getting the most out of it because our glutes are not firing properly. And if we have an example, either too tight glutes or too weak glutes, it will affect our pelvic floor too because our pelvic floor is a master compensator. So if your low core doesn't know your TVA, doesn't know how to fire up, if your glutes don't know how to fire up, your pelvic floor will kick in and be like, okay, I'll do it, I'll take over, mm -hmm. because it, it will compensate for it. It's a really awesome system. But now it actually means, again, it's working overtime and it's most likely not in its optimal, you know, it's not functioning optimally because it's, it's working overtime. It's always on, it's always trying to compensate. So it's really, it really needs a little bit of a balanced approach. And does it sound overwhelming? Maybe it does, 
but it doesn't have to be because if you just know the basics and that's what I guide the women through in my online program, um, the basics about breathing and we can go up, talk a little bit about it if you want later, the basics about just alignment, how can you support your body just when you sit, when you stand with optimal alignment, the basic uh, about offsetting imbalances. So yeah, focus in your strength training about these little areas. If you know that your hamstrings are tight, well, maybe your hip flexors are, they might, right? It's, it's constantly the back and the front, they compensate. So understand your body mechanisms and what you can focus on. And it goes a long way. It really does. And then if you talk about stress or just, just our habit as a woman in sucking in our belly, I think we can all be guilty of that, right? Especially if we're wearing a specific dress and it hugs our, it hugs our body. And we just, we might have just been, even as a younger girl, that might've just been our habits. We don't even realize it, but we kind of always suck it in a little bit. That's on its own. You don't even have to have had babies for it. Or maybe you had C-sections. You're like, I should be good. I had C-sections. I had no vaginal delivery. I should probably be good. No, you can still have issues even though you had a C-section. A, because of pregnancy and the weights on your pelvic floor. And again, there, how your belly, it pushes your bum back, um, right? Like we offset our alignment. It just influences the length tension ratio of your pelvic floor. Uh, and most likely if we don't work on bringing that back, that alignment, um, it might just carry through after pregnancy. Um, but yeah, that even that sucking in, it now becomes a pressure issue. So it's either an alignment issue in a lot of cases or a pressure issue. So if you imagine that you have a balloon and you would put your hands around the middle of the balloon, you notice that all the air will either go to the top or the bottom, right? So if now indeed we have, we cinch that core always, there's a ton of pressure that will go down onto the pelvic floor. And that can just be part of it. Or if we wear really restrictive clothing. So if you talk about working out and you're like, I found these amazing compression pants that keeps everything nicely tucked in. And it's like, amazing, like no rolls, nothing. Yeah, but don't walk around in that maybe most of your day, because again, there it's a pressure issue. And you might just be so frustrated. You can't fix your symptoms because you're just putting a lot of pressure on top of that pelvic floor constantly. So there's little tricks and yeah tweaks that we can just be mindful of that can really go a long way because when I say that I've helped women with this that thought they just you know never they tried all the things and they went through a pelvic floor physio and it didn't and I'm not dissing pelvic floor I think they're amazing I think it's good to know what you're working with they internally diagnose you know if it's too tight where the issue is um, but the problem a lot of times comes now you're trying to do all the exercises, try, because that might also be hard to commit to. But then again, life might get in the way. So that total body approach with some guidance as in, let's get it in, let's set yourself up for success with the implementation of these little tweaks, uh, that can just make all the difference. And yeah, a lot of women have booked success with that. And you will notice it, it trickles out without the trickle in so many other areas in your life. Right? I lift more, my shoulder mass might not be bigger, but I can lift heavier because I know how to connect to my core. I know how to breathe and how to connect to my pelvic floor, my TVA on that exertion. And I, that just makes me stronger because everything happens from that core. 
your upper body strength, your lower body strength, you will see amazing improvements in your overall strength. So I'm like, how can we sell this to women? Like, let's focus on it. And there's just, there's just so much to it. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to talk about aesthetics, I like to stay away from it. But a lot of women, they have a hard time losing that pouch, right? That TVA, that, that, and through focusing on your pelvic floor and really um, now that TVA is also more optimally functioning, it, you lose that pouch. Mm-hmm. It's, it's more all, it's, yeah, it's actually the core. It actually knows how to fire up. And that TVA is a corset, right? It's, mm-hmm. That's how it's designed to work. It's a compression um, belt. So yes, there's, yeah. I love it. I just, no, I love yeah. it. And I think I, I kind of briefly referenced this in the last podcast, but I, I haven't gotten to work closely yet with Mariah, but I, I did get to briefly touch in on a lot of these exercises with this postnatal program I got to be part of. And I will say my postnatal journey after my second pregnancy versus my third was vastly different because my second postpartum journey, I just jumped right into like all the hardcore fitness stuff that I was used to. Right. And then with my third, I, I did take it slow and I did do a lot of the postnatal care and it wasn't glamorous and whatever. It was like 11 weeks of pretty boring, if you will, <laughs> exercises. Right. But my, if we're talking aesthetics, right. Like if that's really what you're looking for and what you're after my transformation with postpartum number three has been so much easier and faster than it ever was with number two, because there was so much frustration around like, okay, I think I have diastasis recti and I can't lose this pouch. And I'm, you know, all the other things that come with it and the urinary things and all the, all the things. Right. But then with number three, I mean, can I do more work Is 11 weeks? Great. Yes, it is gold star on my forehead. Right. But can I do more? Can I continue to progress? Absolutely. Cause I went to high fitness a couple of weeks ago and totally peed my pink pants and I was very embarrassed about it. Right. So and they were cotton, just a heads up. If you struggle with incontinence, do not wear cotton when you're worried about wetting yourself, right? When you're in the process of strengthening your pelvic floor. So, and releasing it too. So yeah, talk us through, like, I, I love all the images you've painted of, you know, all the ways in which our lifestyle and our habits can contribute to why this is a problem, right? Now take us through, like, all the things you, you love to share those breathing, those alignment, the routines, like, yeah, just yeah. Walk us through what, what we can do. Yes. No. Um, the breathing, let's start there. Indeed. I think it's, we don't really know why well, breathing seems to be so simple. It's like, really, we have to be taught how to breathe. Like I breathe. It's fine. Well, I'm alive. Might not. Yeah. right. Yeah, totally. I get oxygen. I'm good. Um, <laughs> no, we might just not know how to optimally breathe. And I, pref- I really like this. I have, you know, like I'm prone to anxiety and it's, it just really helps me get back into rest, digesting versus fight flights. Like it's, it's uh, it's a great way to be in your body and just connecting to your core and pelvic floor on its own it really connects you to your powerhouse, to your essence, to your, right? So that might be a little bit woo, but it's, it's you feel centered and grounded. If you just play a little bit with like, I'm finding some connection, I'm finding some range of motion. So if we wanted to go over that, I always just like to even, I still do it. 
I like to just get my hand and I don't know, I know this is audio, but if you can imagine you wrap your hand around your rib cage. So your most of your fingers are at the front and your thumb will be at the back. And if you put your hand on your lower belly, and if we just breathe right now without judgment, so not trying to force the air to go anywhere, just breathe and just notice if you feel any of the hands move or just, just notice, just observe. So if we would take a couple of breaths here and you can do this with us right now. Let's say four for good measure so it doesn't sound like we're gone. We're still here, we're just breathing. Um, and now, so you may, might have noticed a little bit, well, it's really hard for me to get it maybe in my hand, right? Like breathing 360 doesn't come easy because most likely we're a little bit up in our chest, right? Like that's just chest breathing and our shoulders might help out a little bit, all these accessory breathing muscles. But if you talk about your main breathing muscles, it's your diaphragm, right? Just under your rib cage. And ideally that one lowers. Then air goes more and all the organs, they, they move, right? Like we might not think about it, but yeah, there's stuff that gets moved down. So our air gets 360 in our hand, ideally, and this takes practice. There's no need to be like, oh my God, I can't do this. It takes practice. So air goes into your hand, your belly lets go. It softens. It might feel good if you always just have it on. And then you also try to see if you can just let your pelvic floor go. So if I always provide different cues and there's like the blueberries, right? Like the smoothie, like how you suck things up through a straw using your pelvic floor muscle. But sometimes it's just, if that's too visual for you, you can also use a bone cue. So if you would just imagine your two sit bones separating away from each other on that inhale. So now your pelvic floor is kind of releasing. And then on that exhale, the two sit bones come a little bit closer together. It's kind of, goes back in and up your pelvic floor and your belly just cinches slightly. It doesn't have to be a full on brace, but it slightly recoils back too. And just your air, like it all settles back down your rib cage. So that's all on the exhale. And a lot of women might be like, okay, but I've always done it the other way around. Like, this is weird. I always thought, right? Like on the inhale, I tighten my pelvic floor, but ideally indeed on the inhale, everything just expands, it lowers down, your diaphragm lowers and your pelvic floor lowers with it like a piston. And on the exhale, you kind of try to find that connection, lift it up slightly. It doesn't have to be a full on Kegel, just some range of motion. And if you struggle with that, I'm sitting on a stability ball right now, but you could even use like a pool noodle or like a rolled up towel in between your legs. So you feel a little bit of feedback from your perineum on that material. And then you might feel better. Okay, I'm releasing my pelvic floor. I feel some feedback on that, uh, on the ball or on your towel. Um, and then on the exhale, I feel it kind of moving away from it. So that is ideally how we really use our breath, our whole core as that connection to your pelvic floor versus just squeezing it. Like you tie it to your breath. So the beauty is that you just, you breathe, you could just breathe for like a minute. It doesn't have to be long like this. And you just try to see if you can get more used to what it feels like to have your pelvic floor connected to your breath, because now it's less like, okay, I have to do 20 kegels in the morning and 20 in the evening and 20. No, now you can just be, that's how I try to get it in. I notice I've been sitting on my computer for a while and I'm tired and I'm stressed maybe a little bit. And I just take literally a minute to just breathe 
get some range of motion in my pelvic floor and I get on with my day whenever I feel like I need it most. Last time we talked about traffic lights and some people are like, well, I need to really focus, which is fine before I go to bed, especially if you have a hard time sleeping. It's just such an amazing grounding exercise. When you wake up, first thing, connect to you, connect to your breath before you get your phone out, get out of bed. And those are all little moments where you're just making it more normal to get the range of motion back in that pelvic floor. And then of course, from there, you can work on more progressions like, yeah, let's hold, let's lift, um, let's do the quick ones, let's do the long ones, the traditional pelvic floor exercises. But again, there you try to, and that's what I talk about in my course, you try to separate the different areas. So the backside, the middle side, the front, uh, and then get some, you know, some, some dynamic movement between the three parts versus just focusing only on the front. So yes, breathing into your back can be tricky, right? Like, I don't know if you, Bryn, do you notice that you can actually breathe into your back? When I was doing it at first, I was definitely belly breathing. But then when you said like, okay, see if you can put it, get it into your back, then as I focused intentionally there, I do feel like I was able to. But again, we practiced, she called it 360 degree breathing, yeah. like with that, that test group that I was in. So this, you know, wasn't my first time trying it Perfect. ever, but you know, it is, it is tricky. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And if we can just find our payoffs, right. And this, just like with fitness, like when you just start working out, you need to like force yourself to show up because you don't really find the payoffs mentally yet or physically or emotionally of how good it actually feels. And that's the same with this. Like just try to find a couple of moments in your day that you know, this is what you're going to do. Link it to some other habits. Like, okay, the moments before I unload my dishwasher or after my morning coffee so that it's a little bit more, it's triggered by other habits. It's easier to follow through. And then just, yeah, stick with it. And you might actually start to notice like, yeah, I do like how it resets me, how it resets my nervous system, how it try to focus on other payoffs than just, hey, I need to do my breathing exercises. It just helps to really make it a habit because ideally this is not something that you just do for two weeks and then you're done. No, like you breathe every day and you can find that range of motion. In all honesty, I don't do a lot of Kegels at all. I just focus on, breathing, connecting my pelvic floor to my breath mm -hmm. several times through my day without doing a set amount of kegels. And I'm, I'm, I'm good. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't have any issues. And something we talked about last episode, but I just want to bring it back just in case you haven't listened to that yet. Her kiddos are 13, 10 and how old? 12. 12. So yeah, 13, 12 and 10. And she's still focusing on strengthening her pelvic floor through breathing and release right every single day. And I, I think sometimes a lot of women that I hear from when I, you know, hear that they have issues with their pelvic floor, or they have issues with, you know, things that pregnancy caused and their body's just never been the same since I like, oh my gosh, especially if they're one of my clients or customers, I tell them you got to try the postnatal whatever group. And they're like, but my baby's like 18. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's okay. Yeah. Like you still had babies, right. And your body still has never been the same since then. Right. So last episode I asked Mariah, like, is, is there an age limit? Like, does this, is this only effective up until your baby's like 18 months old? And she was like, uh, no, like, absolutely not. These, if you've ever had 
a child or been pregnant, vaginal or C-section, right? Like she referenced earlier, this will help you. And even if you've never given birth, like the, and if you just have a weak pelvic floor from, you know, like she said before your, your daily life and your daily exercises. And even if you sneeze or cough and jump and you're like, Oh, oopsie, like (laughs) whether or not you've ever given birth, like this can help no matter how old you are or how old your kids are, or all of those other factors that sometimes we let stop us. I love it. No, it's, it's true. I, I started working on it when my oldest was 10. Right. And it was indeed through high fitness where I realized I actually really had an issue. Normally I was, ju- it was just on a trampoline, but I am not on the trampoline on a daily basis with my kids. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it wasn't really that invasive. Um, and then when I became a high fitness instructor, it became very apparent. And, and I love that you talk about this because I think as instructors or as trainers, or, you know, like you being the, the leader to other beach body coaches and just leading own groups, um, it's, it's good to open this conversation up and to just be like, yeah, I don't know if and you, people, may, maybe some women don't want to talk about it, but to just to might just throw it in there to be like, yeah, just so you know, this is so common and it's so embarrassing. Um, but yeah, know that you don't have to deal with this and that there is, there is stuff you can, you can do um, because yeah, it's, yeah, we might just walk around limiting ourselves in our activities and in our social, emotional, mental uh, health for yeah unfortunately you know no reason so to speak as in if we don't have to we can do things we can do things about this we don't have to accept it and it's it's yeah it's hard because I was talking I was on a soccer field this weekend and uh, one of the um, soccer moms she she was like I stumbled upon your Facebook page she's like because Facebook will tell me you know her and um, she's like I had no idea you do this pelvic floor stuff she's like oh my god I so need you and I have 10 other girlfriends that need you and she's like yeah I was at a Rachel Hollis right conference or like events one day and she likes to start with like energy and like dancing and whatever and then she uh, she asked the crowd after like okay so raise your hand how many women just beat their pants a little bit and of course everybody was laughing and the majority of the crowds because there's a lot of women in there they were like yeah and but that's where it stops right it's like yeah so we all do okay well and it's not her job to be like, okay, so go see your pelvic floor physio or whatever. But the conversation is just um, that it's just, yeah, it's just very normal and and we either bond over it, but let's bond over the fact like, okay, let's, let's figure this out. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. And honestly, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here on this podcast. Cause I feel like a lot of the guests that I've brought on, you know, struggled with, with depression in motherhood and yes, is it normal to have postpartum or is it common to have postpartum depression? Absolutely. But do you have to No. Are there things that you can do to help you? Absolutely. Is it common to have a baby who does not sleep through the night and you have like a really, really hard time helping your baby sleep through the night? Yes, of course that is common, but is it normal? No. Are there things that you can do to help yourself? Yes. So that's when I brought on Marietta Paxson, you know what I mean? So that's one of, that's one of the reasons I even have this podcast mamas. Like this is me lovingly grabbing you by the face and shaking you. (laughs) Like that's one of the reasons I have this podcast is because I want to bring up these types of things that are very common 
but they don't have to be normal. There are things out there to help you with absolutely every area of motherhood that is common, but Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be normal. I love this so much. Like really, this gives me goosebumps because I think it's huge. And I'm so glad that in this day and age, we have these platforms, Mm -hmm. right? Like where you can use your voice and other women's voices to really open up uh, these conversations that are really important to have. Because unfortunately, this is great, all these platforms, because, but unfortunately, there's also such a downside to the social media where, right? Like it's, yeah, it's it just paints a picture of everybody has it together. And let's have these vulnerable, open, real, raw conversations mm-hmm. um, where it's like, no, not everybody has it together. We're all human. We're wired for struggle. Like that's one of my favorite Brene Brown quotes. And I, I 100% so believe that. And that's just part of our journey. But let's see how we can smooth it out a little bit. And let's reach out to supports and let's surround ourselves with a good tribe so that we don't have to go through this struggle that's just, just part of life mm-hmm. um, alone. And let's get some support so that we can lessen the struggle a little bit and turn it into growth and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, I think that's amazing. I love that. Yeah. So, and besides breathing, like um, posture is huge. And my back pain, like I used to have so much low back pain just because of sitting and well, and probably related to my pelvic floor and I, my body just feels so much better, but it's, it's again, a reminder. Like I have to constantly remind me when I'm behind my computer. And one of the key things, if you wanted to have a takeaway is that a pelvis ideally is a neutral, but a lot of us walk around with either a posterior tilt, which is when you under tuck your bum could also be due to motherhood and pregnancies and that's just how your body is now formed because your muscles are now formed that way because it's one is more tight than the other and one is more overstretched so the posterior tilt when your bum is tucked under or the Donald Duck position where you really tip your pelvis back and now you have this ex- this executive curve in your in your spine in your low back either way are not awesome for your pelvic floor. So if you sit in a Donald Duck position and I'm doing it right now, like I'm swaying my hips back and forward, you could even try that out with yourself. But if you, in example, would try to do a pelvic floor lift in either position, you would, if you can actually connect to your pelvic floor, you have had some experience of that, you will realize that you cannot get as good of a contraction in either of those positions. And that's just to show that yes, in that Donald Duck position with your bum go back, your pelvic floor is in a lengthened state, won't be able to fire up optimally. If you are walking out with your tailbone tucked under, the posterior tilt, it's in a shortened state, your pelvic floor won't be able to fire up optimally. So even that, if you're currently struggling with leaking and you're in an exercise class, see if you can keep your pelvis as neutral, as as, as um, straight as possible, meaning if you have your hands, your fingers on your front hip bones and your thumbs on your back hip bones, that's kind of a straight line. So if you again there, you would place your hands there, fingers on front hip bone, thumbs on back hip bone, and you would sway your pelvis, tip it back and forward. Ideally, you want to have your hands straight versus one hand, one part of your hand is lower than the other or higher than the other. That is a neutral spine. And if you now on top of that, focus on your rib bones, my most ever favorite cue, I say it in every class, stack your rib bones, right at the top of your, the bottom of your rib cage, right on top of your hip bones. Now you have good core alignment. 
it's set up for success in this position because if you would have your rib cage flared open, right? We puff our chest out. Now there's a ton of pressure on that front core. It won't, it's in a lengthened state. It won't be able to fire up when it needs to fire up. If we're kind of slouched forward, right? The rounded shoulders forward. Now it A, it's, it will change our, um, our bump position because the spine will curve inward more, but also now it's always in a shortened state. It won't be able to fire up. So yes, just focusing on even when we're sitting right now. So find two of your sit bones, really sit on your sit bones and you kind of have that neutral spine going on when you're not sitting on your bum, that would be me. And when you're not sitting too forward in your chair, having your bum pushed behind you. And now see if you can get your rib bones on top of your hip bones. So create a little bit of length in between, a little bit of space in between your ribs and hips. That right there will feel like, okay, I can sit like this. I feel supported without having a back because just creating space between your rib and hips will make that you're not collapsed, right? Like if you would just create a little bit of space there and I feel strong. I feel like my back is on, my core is on. Now I roll my shoulders a little bit back and down and I need to make sure I don't, I, I have my head forward a lot. I need to tuck my chin in a little bit. And yeah, I could sit like this, not forever, but I would, I will remind myself to tweak it so that my spine is optimally aligned, which will influence my pelvis alignment, which will influence my pelvic floor. Even having your head tilted like a centimeter forward, apparently it adds like five to 10 pounds of compression on your spine. So really making sure we're not with the rounded shoulder force and that that's called kyphosis or that head tilt, uh, it can really help. And guess what? We're not perfect. We're not going to walk around like a robot, really static like that all day long. No, it, it won't be. But if we can just tweak things here and there, especially when your body starts to feel achy and be like, okay, how can I support it better? Mm -hmm. The thing is that once we're tired, even when we're standing, once our body is tired, it will find a way to stand in a least energy, in a more energy efficient, efficient way. So once we're tired, we might just start lock our knees when we stand. And that locking our knees means that now we're actually using our joints to stand up versus our muscles. So our knee joints and our hips are truly carrying our body when we stand with locked knees um, versus having a slight bend in our knee. And now our quads are helping our body stay upright, our glutes, which is ideal, right? That's what we want to have. But when we're tired, we just go for the more energy efficient way. And that's when we start to lock our knees. That's when, again, the Donald Duck might come into place. It just adjusts everything. So I need to constantly remind myself to just, when I stand, to just be like, okay. And again, I'm not going for perfect, but little tweaks here and there go a long way. And you might just feel like you have more energy your body feels more energetic. I mean, there are alignments, right? If you talk about chakras and stuff, our alignment is actually really related to creating energy in your body. Like they even say that when you slouch and stuff, like people feel more depressed um, and just low in mood versus, you know, slightly tweaking your, your posture. Like A, you feel more confident, but also just energetically, your body will be able to tap into more energy. So yeah, that's, that's the really short version of alignment that, you know, you can just try to implement throughout your day a little bit. Well, and I love so much of what you've shared already is especially because I feel like I've talked to a lot of people even just recently that are like, 
No. Yeah. Like I, I need like two to three to sometimes 400 milligrams of caffeine every single day and a nap and I'm getting eight hours of sleep and I'm still just so tired, <laughs> you know, and you've used the word energy how many times and how many times have you used the word caffeine, right? <laughs> like zero. And so I think sometimes just the breathing gives you energy when you're breathing correctly and efficiently. Your posture gives you energy when you're in that alignment, right? And and one of my favorite mentors, Brad Bizjack, I've had him on my podcast before too about um, like when you're feeling like you're not enough. And again, that's common. Doesn't mean it has to be normal, right? Um, but he talks all the time about the quickest way to change your energy is to change your physiology, meaning change the way you're breathing, change the way you're sitting or standing, change. Maybe you need to dance it out and have like a little dance party, or maybe you need to whatever. Right. So, and that, that is one of the quickest ways to increase your energy, not to drink caffeine, right? Yeah. which is sometimes our crutch or our go-to, but just breathe deeper, yeah. sit up a little taller, a little straighter with that good alignment. And, and I can feel it too, just as I watch you and listen to you, I'm like trying to mimic you and I can, I can feel that, you know? So that's awesome. No, it's really good reminders. It's free. It's accessible Mm -hmm. anytime of the day. Right. And it's, yeah, it's setting yourself up for, you know, feeling the way you want to feel in your day without relying on all the gimmicks indeed. And I'm not saying it, it will solve everything, but you know what, it, it is supporting your body in a way that it's just truly, it's simple. And sometimes that's like, oh, really? Well, if it's that simple, like how good can it be? No, it can actually really make a big difference to what Brent said too, like, uh, your mentor, like where it is about tapping into that energy, like it's true, like connecting to your breath, connecting to your core and for women and for men too, but I'm talking about women connecting to your pelvic floor, it's connecting you to your essence. So if you ever feel like you're going on stage, whatever you're doing, you're in a parent teacher meeting and you're worried about speaking, like if you can connect to that breath and can connect to that pelvic floor and do a couple of lifts, they say that, yes, you do feel more connected to your power, right? And I know that you believe in that kind of stuff too, but I do believe in that too. Like, but we don't, and that's, I think, why I love this so much, why this speaks to me so much, because I live in my head a lot. Mm -hmm. I, I do like, and that's part of maybe being a more anxious person. But if I don't do these kind of strategies, I can just not even be connected to my body for most of the day. And that can become your norm. Right now, you're just going through life, like checking off the to-do things, going to your kids, making sure your relationships are good, you know, being on social media. But how many times a day do you truly connect to you, to your body? And it doesn't have to be an hour workout, right? Like that can be simple ways, but just feel your body. And I just love feeling my body because I never used to really be in my body, right? Without really knowing it, it's just... Yeah, but it's, it's to allow yourself to feel your body and to connect to it. It's can be foreign if you're also used to just pushing through and just, right? But yeah, it, it really helped me for sure with anxiety as well. Because if you have anxiety and if people know what anxiety is like, the last thing you want to do is be in your body because the sensations, just sensations, physical sensations in your body can be that you want to resist that, right? You don't want to, you don't want to feel those feelings, 
those sensations, it can trigger more of an anxiety. But when I allowed myself to just truly breathe and to just truly feel and to know it would pass, but to also just allow myself to reset my nervous system by actually being in my body, you know, I got that confidence like, yeah, I can feel anxiety in my body and I can be okay because I can also make it go pass through my body by actually being in my body versus dodging it and resisting it and pushing it down. Mm-hmm. So yes, just amazing tools. I love that. Well, and touching quickly on what you said about, you know, it seems so simple to do, but it really is so powerful. That is the first personal development book I ever listened to in my like beach body coaching career, if you will, was it's called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. And I truly believe that like that book has probably made the biggest difference in my life out of every book that I've ever read. Besides The Miracle Morning, The Miracle Morning is right up there with the most influential books I've ever read. But The Compound Effect is literally just about that concept of like every single day we're making choices towards our health, towards our marriage, towards our relationship, towards our whatever, fill in the blank, towards our finances, towards our spirituality that are either putting us on a slope of progress or a slope of digressing, right? Like, I don't know what the opposite of progress is. (laughs) My brain isn't. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, but every day we make these small and simple choices that are either working for us or against us. Right. And as we continually make those small and simple choices, we grow and progress, or we really go down this slope. And all of a sudden you're asking this question, how did I get here? Right. Mm -hmm. And you can either be asking that in a like, Whoa, this is awesome. How did I get here? Right. And you turn around and look back and, Oh, it was all those awesome things that I did day in after day out. Right. Or how did I get here? Right. How did my marriage get here? How did my relationship get here? How did my health get here? Right. And it's just those small and simple choices, negatively compounding day after day. Right. And, and the whole book is about like, yes, it's easy to do. And it's also really easy not to do. So you just have to choose, like you choose, you choose your life, you choose your heart, you choose. Right. And just when you can really lock in that knowledge of it doesn't feel that significant today, but I know that this will make a significant difference in my life down the road. Right. And even my mom, my mom was here yesterday and she, she was complimenting me on like, man, you're 30 and you've got three kids and you look so dang good. Right. And like obesity runs very rampant in my family. And I've always had to work really hard to, to be healthy, um, inside and out both mental and physical obesity, if you will, runs in my family. Um, so, uh, but she just was like, you know, complimenting me. And I was literally like, my answer was, I just focus on it one day at a time. Like just because I worked out yesterday, doesn't do anything for me today. Or just because I got eight hours of sleep yesterday, doesn't do anything for me today. Or just because I drank a lot of water yesterday, doesn't do anything for me today. Right. Like just every single day, making Mm -hmm. those, those good choices for our physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health, right. And in our relationships and all those things, and just really having faith in that compound effect to help you grow into the person that you're meant to be. 
Oh, so. love that. Is that the slide the same as a slide edge? Because yes. I read that book. Yeah. Yes, it's they're yeah. very, very similar books. There one is compound effect is by Darren Hardy and the slide okay. edge is by oh shoot, it just left yeah. me. But yeah, they're they're shelf. very, very yeah, I have it on my shelf too. They're both amazing, amazing books. A little yeah. bit of like a slight differences in the way they tell their stories, but both very powerful, amazing, amazing books. So. I love it. And I think it's a good message to share because yeah, that's, it's easy to do. It's easy not to do. I always use it with my kids too. Like yesterday we're talking about, you know what, we need to do 10 minutes of Dutch, 10 minutes every day. doesn't have to be overwhelming, but you would be amazed. How much can you learn? Like that's how people become amazing guitar players, whatever you want to do athletes, little bit at a time every day. And it's we're glorifying the, the grand right? We're glorifying so many things in life. That's truly, it's not doing us good. So I love when we can focus on these things and be like, no, you know, like, yeah, nobody might notice that you did this. And that's another thing, right? Like the external validation for what we do. And especially with pelvic floor too. Yeah. Nobody will be like, oh my God, what did you do for the last 12 weeks? Because you look maybe, but maybe not, right? Mm -hmm. Because you look amazing. No, well, actually internally, I took a lot of, I took care of my deep central core stability system, mm -hmm. but <laughs> right, like, and, and you might not notice how I go through my life differently today because of that, but you don't get that external validation for it. And I think we, we, we reach out for outside of ourselves in order to feel good about ourselves. And if we can, if we can, yeah, be that person for us and make those choices, like you said, those little things that add up to how you want to feel in your day, how you want to show up, the version you want to be. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I love it. It's really good, really good um, encouragement. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I want to hear lastly about your tips and tricks about like your daily routine. I'm fascinated by, you know, what you said about like even the clothes and the shoes that we wear. Right. And that totally makes sense about the compression and stuff. So any other like things that you want to share about, like just your daily routine that we can do to improve? Yeah. Um, I think when you talk about bladder urgency and frequency, like I used to never be able to go to like a, a big grocery store. And if I would hang out there for an hour, I would be like having to park the cart and run to the bathroom, right? Like, or sit on, <laughs> this is what I would always do. I would like pretend to be really interested in the bottom shelf <laughs> and sit on the ground with my heel, right? <laughs> to just make sure I wouldn't pee my pants. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's one bottom item. I needed to read that label really intensely. Really? And well, yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> anyway, um, and for me, I would be, maybe you would think, okay, I just need to drink less water. But when we walk around dehydrated, so just a couple of trips there, but I try to focus on. When you walk around dehydrated, you actually, your blood aligning um, might there isn't there is a signal that your bladder lining will send to your brain that you need to pee we need to make sure we are hydrated so most women will be like okay i can't drink any water because but dehydration can actually cause which sounds so contradictive but can actually cause bladder urgency and frequency as well so make sure you're hydrated i know that coffee and tea because i drink green tea in the morning 
that triggers my bladder for sure. So if I have a soccer practice to go to and it's an hour and a half, I, I have a hard time making it back in a two and a half hour time span without going to the bathroom. But it's mainly in the morning and I know that's my green tea. It triggers my bladder, right? There's specific foods like spicy foods, acidic foods that can trigger your bladder. So if you can really just focus a little bit on, okay, so if I play with my water intake a little bit, um, also, if I can make sure, and there's maybe you have girls too, we can really tell them always like, okay, just go just in case we're going away. Uh, we're going to the store. Do you need to go? No. Okay. Just go just in case that just in case toileting can really mess ourselves up because now we're training our bladder to not hold. Um, and it becomes almost a psychological effect as well. So if we can even hold more than five minutes at a time, and sometimes you might even need to have a bladder diary because how do you how, do you even know how often you go? So if you know, hey, I'm actually going every hour, that's yeah, that's quite often. Um, but every two and a half, two hours is not even that weird. But if you notice that you, you're trying to hold it longer, well, we might need to train to hold a little bit longer, even five minutes at a time. Um, so yeah, those little things I focus on because bladder urgency and frequency is another one that can just really impact. I know a lot of women that are like, when I go somewhere, I need to know where the bathroom is mm -hmm. because, you know, it's scary to not have the opportunity to go. Mm -hmm. um, but again, well, there like is common, like how, how frequent, I mean, I I'm it, sure it's, it's also yeah. kind of dependent on how much water you're drinking, but yeah. What would you suggest as far as like how frequent it should be? Um, I think every three hours is pretty common, right? So that would be eight times in a day, but also once a night. If you go more than once a night, they call it um, nocturna incontinence or nocturna frequency. Um, and I used to go more than once a night, but I, I can go once a night right now, which is nice and doesn't mess too much with your sleep. Um, but yeah, to really just get an idea of it and then just to play with, okay, so maybe I'm really just walking around dehydrated and my bladder lining is getting irritated and, um, it's sending messages while I don't even have to go. I have nothing in there, but it's just sending messages to my brain. Um, yeah, play a little bit of your caffeine intake. Um, yeah, those little, those little tips can help, but I have this, I have a more, um, coherent training on this on my bio. So I have a little video training and a little PDF about bladder urgency and frequency and some tips and tricks, how to deal with that, uh, that you can just grab from my, my Instagram bio. So that is, an, yeah, that's another thing that, that I try to focus on. And some t in that video and in that PDF, you will also see some trips to hold longer, like some, just some flutter contractions, some pelvic floor flutter contractions when you really feel you need to go. This can really help to just resist that urge a little bit or to, to send some signals back to the bladder that it can just, it can just release and it can just let, not let go, but it can relax a little bit. Um, so there's, there's some little tips and tricks that I take care of, but I really, I'm a strength training fan and I really make sure I, I use a full body approach as in a 360 approach. I always make sure that I work my glutes, um, uh, because they can be underactive when we sit down a lot. I make sure I use my upper back because that's rounded shoulders forward, which can now offset your spinal alignment. It's very normal when we either feed babies. I know when we either <laughs> feed as she's saying this. Yeah. We're, we're looking at ourselves and like, okay, maybe let's straighten out. But yeah, when you're feeding babies and you're hunched over like this, right? Like let's focus on that back. It's so important to, for adjust our, uh, in, imbalances in our body to really tweak them and to really balance them out. So yeah, I just really focus on 
that mind-body connection, right? Like, yes, you can do the programs, but if you don't know how to connect to your core, if you don't know how to connect to your goods, it's just a, and sorry, it's a little bit of a waste of your time, right? Like gets back to the foundations, get back to the really easy modifications. Maybe you call them easy, but like the basic, basic moves and see if you actually know how to connect and use that muscle. And that's part of my pelvic floor program too, because a lot of us don't even know how to connect to our TVA throughout core exercises. Mm -hmm. So now how can we strengthen it if we don't even know how to tap into it? Mm -hmm. So yeah, the foundations of strength training is another one that I just really focus on. Yeah, it sounds like a lot and it sounds very overwhelming when you hear me talk about this all, but that's also why I created a program for it mm -hmm. because I'm like, I want to help you guide you through this. So you, you will create the habits and the little lifestyle tweaks for so many weeks at a time so that when you're done with the program, you can actually just keep going with it without like, yeah, this was a great course and now I'm, I'm going to put it to the side and I will never ever do something with it again. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's my main mission. I don't want you to just take a course for the sake of taking a course. I want you to actually implement and learn and talk and connect and, you know, get the support mm -hmm. uh, that you need to turn it around. Well, and that's when the compound effect really kicks in, right? Is when we continue those awesome habits, not just like, oh, cool. Totally. I did it for 21 days. Yay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, but when totally. We so no, I love it. Okay. And we talked about it last time, but in case you need her Instagram, I'll put it in the show notes as well. But will you tell them one more time your Instagram to find you? Yeah. Live it, not live it, not angry. Live it fitness. YYC, which is Calgary, which is where I am. Awesome. And I'll, I'll put that in the show notes for you guys to find her. Yeah. She talked about this last time too, but she has a course opening up in September, right? Is that when you said September? Yes. yes. Yeah. So watch for that. And if you're listening to this after September, just go find her on Instagram, go follow her. And she'll be, she likes to do her groups in small, intimate settings, just so that one, you don't just feel like a number two, you're like really, really getting the feedback that you need with the community that you need. And it's in a safe, small, intimate place. But if you miss out on, on her like first group or whatever, just keep watching so that you can sneak in and, and join one of her amazing courses. I know I'm going to be watching so that I can get in hopefully in September. So <laughs> I love so, it. Can't wait. Yes. Well, thank you, my friend. Before we close it out, any other things you want to leave with us? Let's take care of ourselves, right? Like, let's do the, let's do the little things that, yeah, that we really have been talking about that add up and we need to invest in ourselves as women, as mothers, right? Like, it's the last thing sometimes we invest in, but let's challenge that narrative that you know, everybody else needs to come first and it doesn't have to be crazy. It doesn't have to mean a seven day girl weekend, uh, you know, trip. No, just on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Let's make sure that we walk around, you know, as strong physically and mentally as we can. Mm -hmm. Well, just to add a little plug to that, like just if it was your daughter that had incontinence issues and you found someone who could help her, right? You wouldn't want her to be embarrassed as a little 12, 13 year old girl who can't jump on the tramp with her friends or whatever, right? So what would you do for your daughter? You would absolutely ask for help, right? You would absolutely invest in that help for your daughter. So I want to challenge all you mamas out there to invest in yourself because you are worth it as well, right? And the memories that you can create with your kiddos, with your loved ones, and just in your own self-confidence, like you deserve that just as much as your little girl does. Okay. So I just want to Amazing. second that. I want to second that. So, okay. 
Ah, well, thank you, my beautiful friends. If you guys are still here, still listening, thank you for hanging out with us for two weeks in a row. I hope this was as good for you as it is for me. I know I'm going to be focusing on a, a lot more on my 360 breathing and my alignment so that I can one, you know, strengthen and release my pelvic floor, but to have that energy like you're talking about and, and I love it. So I will be stalking you and thank you for all of your valuable resources. So you're amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks for opening up this conversation and having me. I love it. Thank you. Of course. Okay. My friends, I'll see you next week. All right, you guys, that's it. Thank you for sticking around. If this message spoke to you today, please feel free to share it with someone you love. It would mean the world to me if you would leave this podcast a quick review from wherever you're listening from so that other mamas can find it too. Be sure to find me on Instagram so that we can be friends in real life. You can find me at Bryn Wise. Thank you for making the choice to become a mom. Thank you for loving your kids. Remember that you are doing better than you think you are. Remember to lean on your village. Remember the biggest contribution you make in this world might not be something you do, but someone you raise. And always remember to give yourself grace.